Welcome to Joiners, the podcast with Tim and Danny, where we explore the world of hospitality by chatting with its most colorful characters. What's going on, Tim? Danny, you're looking well. Thank you, thank you. You know, something that a restaurant or bar did to annoy me happened pretty recently. Yeah, okay. Is it And is it something that has come up in a previous interview? No, it actually, surprisingly, it has not. A novel annoyance. <laughs> a novel annoyance. It's pretty specific, I will, I will admit that. Okay, hit me with it. So I was eating uh, with a handful of friends on a trip, and uh, sitting next to me happened to be Chef David Posey, friend of the pod. Sure, and, avid uh, golfer David Posey. That's right. And the menu had, like, there was, like, a tasting menu, kind of a family-style order, um, and then there was like an a la carte section and much like the menu at Elska. Yeah. And, uh, what happened was I really wanted something off of the kind of the tasting menu, the set menu side, uh, just a single item. Do you recall what it was? It was like a steak with chimichurri, let's say something Ooh, like that. Okay. And I kindly asked our server if that was possible, if I could just order that at, instead of one of the other steaks that was on the other side of the menu on the a la carte menu. Uh, to which she replied, no, uh, unfortunately, I could not do that, which is so strange. Was it was the information portrayed in a nice manner? Uh, yeah, by the server. Or was it like, what? You want what? No, it was just like, yeah, I mean, I guess there like, was like... Unfortunately, sir, I'm unable to accommodate your request. Yeah, I mean, request. regardless, it was just like, well, clearly you have the stuff to make that thing. Right. And it's sitting there, mm-hmm. and someone's willing to pay for it. And it wasn't like I said, I need it to be at this price point or whatever. Yeah. It's like, just accommodate the request. I'm happy to pay right. for whatever it costs. Now... Within reason, I guess. Yeah, I know that you don't have a fixed menu at at scofflaw yeah so like but do you have an idea of what the restaurant's reason might be for that is that because they don't have a price well, so a here, here's menu? a couple reasons okay. right if this were earlier in the evening like at five o'clock let's say and they only have 10 of those to sell all right. night i could see them saying no this was at 9 30 we were the only guests in house so if they had any in the kitchen they were they yeah. weren't going to be sold um so that was a little strange i guess it's somewhat complicated to figure out a price point for something that doesn't exist as an individual item on the menu. Mm-hmm. But yeah, David and I were just like, this is. So insane. David was, it was of the opinion that if, if that happened at Elska, they'd say no problem. You can well, do that. I don't want to, yeah, <laughs> you don't want to speak for him. Yeah. All right, we'll, we'll bring him on. We'll bring him back on. <laughs> Hit him up. No, but generally speak, I would assume, but yeah, generally speaking, if you have something to offer someone and you're in the hospitality business yeah. and they're willing to pay for it, like why not make them happy right. and make it happen? Right. That's not, hospitality yeah but i wonder if maybe that first reason like the finite amount is the sure. reason they have a blanket rule that's fair, because yeah. like if somebody comes in they're like well i came at 9 30 and they gave me the steak for yeah, free that's fair i think that's a good so counterpoint maybe that's it yeah overall a good meal though it was a pretty good meal yeah good company you won't, you won't tell me who where you were dining <laughs> no it's just tell me this, this state were you in were you in illinois no we were not in illinois okay um, but yeah okay yeah yeah well you want to talk fixed menus? Sure, let's do it. Let's talk about the one owned by this week's guest. Our guest this week has, uh, we have a very casual, fun conversation, very relaxed, but I guess his accolades are anything but relaxed. Yeah, they guy. kind of speak for him. Yeah, yeah, they do. And he's a pretty humble, he's seemingly a very, very humble, humble guy. Yeah. Um, so back in 2010, he was a best new chef for food and wine. He's been a James Beard nominee semi-finalist multiple times and uh his restaurant smith that he owns with his wife karen is um one of 
just a few restaurants in Chicago that have reached the status of two Michelin stars. We're, of course, talking about Chef John Shields from Smith and the Loyalist. Yeah, it was a great conversation. Um, really learned a lot of things that I, I didn't know. I didn't know him as a person before this call, uh, conversation. So. And now you consider yourself yeah, now we're his best, best friend. That's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So without further ado, please enjoy our conversation with John Shields. Yeah, so one of the things I was curious about with the Beard Awards coming to town, like, do you do any special prep for that? Is there, do you communicate with people, get a heads up about VIPs coming to the restaurant or? You know, we did more of that, I think, in the past. I think this year we haven't done as much. Um, you know, back in the, I would say, that's back in the day, pre-COVID times, you know, we were like, oh my God, this, you know, we're going to plan this after party. We're going to do this thing. We're going to do this pre, you know, whatever it might be. It's just kind of changed a little bit. It's been a little bit more like, you know, let's just see what happens sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, we also have a, we're doing a tasting table this year. Okay, cool. So we have a 900, 900 bite sort of thing going on. So Whoa. we're pretty busy with that. And uh, so, yeah. So that's cool. That, that's our plans. Everyone, basically, the whole team, like, is pretty pissed. You know? Not pissed, <laughs> but they're like, yeah, I can't wait, chef. And then, like, you know, they're all stressed. <laughs> but it'll be the best thing for them. They're going to love it. In the yeah, end, you know? ultimately, sure. it'll be once sweet. You, once you get through it, and uh, then you go, oh, my God, we can do this. You know? So you were describing before we started recording how you get the day started for the kids. You're mm -hmm. making lunches, breakfasts. Yeah. What time? So, yeah, give us the rundown of kind of your day and what time you get to the restaurant. Does their lunch have that... Uh crab in the beeswax 100 percent. Oh, and usually like idea. yeah some kind of fermented dipping sauce you know whatever you know um no they actually they they dislike my my food a lot i gotta be honest i mean, no have they um, done the tasting menu my ribs are they like at home but uh no they have not been to smith ever oh, okay um you said they, they gotta earn it they gotta earn it they haven't graduated yet so no. um they How? love they love the loyalist they like the brunch and all that too as well obviously there's pancakes on the menu so you know they, they've gone through the ebbs and flows of a of a chef right you know when yeah. we were first were, were born it was like oh my god butternut squash and seaweed and all this and you know and you know then the grandparents kind of get a hold of them a little bit and next thing you know it's it's reality and yeah. they just get with their friends and schools and all that so yeah. and you said they like your ribs they love my ribs we did ribs this weekend so but okay. I, I don't do anything special i'm not smoking them for like eight hours or like that mm -hmm. these are like wrapped in you know rubbed wrapped in foil baked in the oven tender then lathered and then grilled for like you know slow grill but like you know so it gets nice color and all that kind of sounds stuff. good that's my method ribs like that yeah. at my bachelor party yeah, yeah i did yeah. ribs yeah if you get Very a smoky good. barbecue sauce then it kind of gives you the feeling you're kind of having the same feeling but yeah. you know we uh we were doing a cookbook club recently and uh my dish was a rib based dish and i had never done ribs before <clears throat> so i read a lot about like removing a membrane and stuff like that and I really wasn't sure oh, yeah. what to, you know, yeah, exactly, on the back of the ribs, right. baby back ribs. So <clears throat> I got them from, what is it, the Fresh Market? Is that what it's called? Yeah, Fresh Market on yeah, Western. Yeah, Fresh Market on Western. Mm -hmm. I called the butcher shop because I'd been, like, struggling with this membrane. I called the butcher shop just to verify that the membrane was still on these ribs because I had no idea. And they're like, yeah, unfortunately, you have to remove the membrane. I was like, okay. So I'm, like, sitting there with these ribs, and I'm like, 
what is going on? I can't figure this out. I was texting like Posey, Jonathan Zaragoza. I'm sending them pictures of these ribs. And they're both like, I'm pretty sure the membrane's been removed. Right, right. <laughs> and I was like, that would yeah. explain it because I've explain. been sitting here for so long. Did they come removed or did you, had no, you already no, removed they them? No, had, they'd come removed. But oh, when I weird. called them to verify, they like the butcher I spoke to, he probably doesn't remove the membrane, but the one that I had did. So See, it's I'll, this very I'll be embarrassing. Like, I, I know the membrane thing; you got to pull it yeah. off. But I've done ribs with the membrane on, and it still comes out. Okay. Right? So, <laughs> okay. as long as you cook them long enough, I think it's okay. All A right. tip so, for removing: you want to grab it with paper towel. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's like fish skin almost. Like there's certain fish where you can like pull the skin off in a way, and it doesn't like if you angle it right. Like certain uh, like mackerel trout, you can just pull it. So, nice. Yeah. Gonna hang out with with John more often. Yeah. It's not that fun, trust me. It's not that fun. <laughs> All right, so you grew up in the St. Louis area? No, I so I grew up in uh, Florida actually. Oh, whoa, okay. Yeah. We're in Florida, Tampa. Okay. So Clearwater. Tim's just trying to push the St. Louis narrative all the time. I know, I know. Well, so I lived in St. Louis for a bit, and I, you know, really loved it. That's where I went to culinary school. Yeah. So grew up in uh, Clearwater, Florida, um, until I was, uh, you know, I, I, I guess eighteen, nineteen. That's when I went to to school. Oh, okay. So up in St. Louis. And so that, that changed everything. I went to, to school there for f- three years, but I then living there for, f- I want to say four years. Um, and then went back down to Florida again for another four years before I moved. Where did I go? Chicago. Okay. So, yeah. And did you move for the Trotter job? I did. Okay. I did. But that's another story, too. That's a whole, like, background story about how that happened and, and Well, let's get into but, it. Okay. Well, you guys asked <laughs> no, questions. No, no. I don't know. Well, what are you guys tell into? Us, yeah, tell yeah. Us. yeah. You guide it. Well, I mean, I don't, you know, it, it's a fortuitous moment. It's a, you know, I... Uh, it's one of those life moments, I think, you know, for me personally, um, I've had a few of them, I think in life that I like to look back at one, two, three. Um, and this was one of them. This was, uh, you know, I was leaving this restaurant in Florida. We had actually, so I, long story, I, I did culinary school. I worked at some really great restaurants in St. Louis, a place called, uh, Cardwell's, which had a couple locations, which just closed over the last couple of years finally, but they were open for a long time. Mm. And they were like the places that, you know, um, back in the day, like we were literally getting checked out with flashlights under the, under the pass. It, wow. was, it was intense. I mean, it was high standards, high standards across the board, but it was like, the food was very like, um, Northern California, um, Wolfgang puck. There was, they had a wood burning oven. There was like smoked salmon on and like salad on the pizza. Like this was like, you know, so it wasn't like this stodgy French style restaurant that was had high standards it was a new age but he come from that background so um it was that those standards then i went to florida and then ran the restaurant uh down there this place called grand finale the plan was just to save money go back to a different school cia i was going to the culinary school i was going to i didn't um i wasn't jiving with it the way i i thought yeah. so i kind of after about a year and a half i was like all right i'm gonna just keep continue working, saving money. I'm going to go to the CIA and go to the best school I think possible. Um, and then uh, I moved down at the chef quit or got fired, I want to say. Um, <laughs> and the owner was like, hey, do you want to take over? And I was 22. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And so I just got the Charlie Trotter books. You know, that was like they'd been out for a few years, a couple of them anyway, because it wasn't the, the library there is now. Yeah. Um, and it was like this eureka, like, oh, my God. All right. I'm going to push and push and so we by the end of my fourth year we got the best restaurant in all of tampa bay by the st pete times in the tampa tribune uh at the time that was pretty big and we were just packed all the time wow 
And then, but I wanted to see if I can make it in a real place, like a real city and uh, a real restaurant, a real kitchen. And so I decided to leave. And then, um, so I'm like, where am I going to go? It was two places. It was the laundry or three places, but it was the laundry in Charlie's. And then this other restaurant called Aquavit, which was um, Marcus Samuelson, uh, who's a well-known chef now still. But back in the day, he was an alum of Charlie's and was doing some really great things. And so I, I'm like, you know, I was very focused on working at one of the three places. And the only one that got back to me was Marcus from New York. And so I went to New York. I tried out. I got the job. I decided, okay, I'm moving to New York. It's, this is it. Um, found an apartment. Was getting ready to go live there. And so I'm sitting at the computer. And this is dial-up days. So I'm not sure when that yeah, was yeah. exactly. But exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, literally like waiting for it to load. And I'm like going through my mail. And uh, it's just aging me completely. And uh, <laughs> I'm just going through my mail. And I'm like, uh, all of a sudden there's a letter from Charlie. And, and Charlie's like, we want you to come up. We want you to try out. And it was a weird moment because I... You know, I invested everything. I'm, I'm moving to New York City. I'm like, you know, as a kid, as a young cook, as anybody young, mm -hmm. you're like, you're in New York City. You're like, yeah. this is it. This is, this is amazing. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. And then to have it flip so quick because I really wanted to work for Charlie the, the most out of the three yeah. at the time. Although I have a ton of respect for Thomas. It just jived with me more, his style. Um, um, that was it. I was like, oh, my God, I'm not going to New York. I'm going to Chicago. And that was it. And wow. then I just wrote. So, you know, I'm not saying it was the dial-up that did it, you know, like the, the pause <laughs> or whatever. But I was literally buying a plane ticket to go up to New York um, to go sign on the apartment so and go crazy. do everything. And then there it is. And I'm like, oh, my God. It was like it was a weird moment because you, you, you your whole life is this and you have these start having these visions of it for months. And then wow. all of a sudden you're like, no, I'm going to. And here I am. Wow. So, but so that changed. I mean, I just, you know, think about everything, the butterfly effect of it all that could have, totally. that would have happened. So how so, long before you're in, living in Chicago, working at the restaurant? So, um, so yeah, so I started in, uh, I was 22, um, uh, excuse me, I was 25, I think 24, 25. And then, uh, um, this was Oh three, I want to say Oh four. And, uh, and there I was here in the city working for Charlie and, you know, and then you get in the kitchen and you're like, I have every book and I'm obsessed with like everything about Charlie and, and just, you know, I'm just obsessed with cooking in, in a way. And so, um, you get there and then you realize, you know, the reality of life and yeah. it's not that, that way at all. And there's no Instagram or internet really to, to speak of. I mean, there's like some, you know, some blogs, you know, yeah. Yeah. floating around, just starting was kind of the beginning of that time. And then, and so you have an idea, but you have no clue. Was it a traditional like French brigade kind of setup? It was. I mean, I mean, it was and it wasn't. Right. Do you want to walk us through the hierarchy of like the Trotter Kitchen? Yeah, it's, as a, it was? it's like a, it's a mix of, it, yeah. Um, so you had your chef, right? You had Charlie, but it wasn't in the kitchen at this point anymore. Um, Matthias Murgis was the, um, the head chef, but he wasn't. He was in the kitchen, but he was also working on other projects that Charlie wanted to, to do, whether it be, you know, various restaurants or books. Mm -hmm. uh, then you had Giuseppe Tentori. Uh, in the kitchen as a sous chef, uh, Chef Bill Kim had then just come back as well. Um, so we're all, all guys now that are kind of gone on. So that was the the yeah, moment. It's and a then pretty my, stacked lineup. A pretty stacked lineup. Then my wife Karen, uh, and, and, uh, future wife Karen at that time, <laughs> uh, was in pastry. Um, 
And then uh, just a number of cooks that have gone, a few right now that have gone on. Uh, a guy named Jesse Dumferwood just opened his third restaurant in London. Uh, for his original place was called uh, uh, Parlor. And then Marcus Glocker was there at that time. Uh, he has a um, place called uh, Colomore. Calamore. Uh, he just opened. He just reopened. He was um, got a Michelin star and worked for Gordon Ramsay for a while as well. Anyway, so it was yeah. it was a, it was a pretty exciting time. But you know, it's this time of like, you know, just us, you know, with like these flip phones and nobody knows you know much of anything, and we're just like head down and and go go crush it. Was it a rude awakening for you, like to come into this new market working for Trotter versus you know you running your own kitchen? Yeah. Big time. Big what time. were the big like cultural kind of differences? Just every, I guess everything. At that moment, it was like I was leaving a an ex at that point, so there was like this like you know lull of you know. Um, I felt you know, what am I doing? The right, am I doing the right thing? And all this you know, yeah. but I was following my <clears throat> dreams, sort of thing. So I had that, and then I go from you know running a kitchen and getting accolades, but I knew I wanted to take a step back. I was, I, th- I felt like I was mature enough to want to do that, and then. I got put on the Amuse station, which is like, you know, first courses and like, which is totally fine. I wanted, but I was getting crushed. I mean, it was like, <laughs> it was so much busier and like so much more precise. And I was, I thought I was doing good food and I was, but it was the precision and the intensity and then the people looking over your shoulder at all times was not what I was ready for. And then, so, you know, you start doubting yourself a little bit. And so the first yeah. month was, was a, a real. Yeah. And then like a famously kick. small kitchen, right? Small kitchen. Yeah. I guess to, Compared to nowadays, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not compared to New remodel. York, but I mean, it was, uh, you know, it's tight, you know, and, and uh, it, it's, it, it works. It worked pretty well. But yeah, it's, it's, small. it's small. So what were the other <clears throat> restaurants in the area that were operating at that level? You had Not Trio, me. I guess. Trio, yeah. yeah, yeah. We had Trio. Um, I guess Lena Mod, I guess you want to call it. That was, I think, still then. I'm not, I'm not even sure. I mean, we were, I was so focused on that, you know. It was just... But funny enough... And I, I'll just back up quickly, but real quick, um, as I was going through, like, uh, buying that ticket or going to Charlie's now, um, randomly, I saw this um, kid uh, named Grant Ackett's that was at a restaurant called Trio at the time. And I was like, I was just because I'm just always searching and somehow it came out. I have no idea how I even found it. And I'm like, holy shit, who's this kid? And I'm like, and so I just knew that. Uh, after about two weeks of doing that, I'm like, all right, well, now I've got a real plan. I'm going to go work for Charlie, and then my plan is I'm going to go work for, for Grant. That was like my Chicago plan. That's all I had. But, yeah. Did you yeah. see him on like e-gullet or something like that? It might have been. Yeah. It might have been. Yeah. Uh, but, it, but it was, yeah, yeah. It would have been Trio days, and he was just doing magical stuff at Trio. I mean, it was like, you know, at that time, it was like, holy shit. Yeah, like, yeah. operating on another level. Yeah. So then, yeah, so the shifts you were at uh trotters for two years right first time and then over two years and then i guess 2005 alinea opens and are you immediately like i'm i gotta be there well so i would on my days off at charlie's um not always but you know when i could i would stage at trio and then and grant was like i want to offer you the job i want you to come to trio but i can't there's nobody leaving so nobody would leave and so by the time because i was a little unhappy at charlie's got to be honest the first mm-hmm. year or so was really not my favorite um and then a good friend of mine who's my good friend today giuseppe tintori kind of like shook me he's like come on jenny 
You got to mm-hmm. like, I don't know if you know Giuseppe at all, but he's yeah. a, it's a thick Italian accent. Come on, you can do this, you know, kind of shaking my shoulders a little bit. And it really woke me up a little bit and I kind of stuck with it. And I'm really glad I did. Um, it's funny you just said Johnny because uh, I reached out to Bill Kim before this and he said to ask what your nickname was. Oh, God. G- <laughs> well, it, <it's, laughs> well, now it's by initials. It's JGT, but, it, but that's Johnny Goodtimes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, I wasn't going to ask it then, but you just said Johnny, so yeah. it yeah, made yeah. it come up. No, that's fine. I don't so mind. when yeah. you're staging a trio, who else is in that kitchen at that time? Uh, well, stacked lineup. well, yeah, I mean, big time. Curtis Duffy's there. Michael Carlson's there. Um, I'm trying to think who's gone on um, that people know um, at this point. Um, a good, just a good crowd. I mean, a lot of cooks that you just don't see much anymore, but were incredible cooks. Um, even a guy named Jeff Pikus, who was, you yeah. know, with me in Alinea and then went on to, I think he's down in New Orleans now and doing yeah. things and all that. Yep. He was with Hogs all for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. exactly. You know, everybody, you know, everybody knows Pikus, yeah. I guess, right? High um, five. High yeah. five, yeah, yeah. He was in high five for a bit. Super talented cook. Um, just a bunch of good, good, good people. So, so it was like my goal was like, all right, I'm gonna go do this, and I'm gonna do that. Um, and then Eleni opened, and then they offered me a position uh, to to be at the tornot of, of of the kitchen. So, so what is the tornot? Just kind of like the. Your job is to do kind of everything. I mean, you're kind of uh, involved like with the stations. Cook. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You kind of put fires out, basically, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, you're you're there to um, um, pick up the pieces in a lot of ways. Um, be the the sous chef's um, kind of chef in a way. You know what yeah. I mean? So um, that was, and it was an undefined role. They didn't have a tornado at Trio, and so they wanted to bring me on board. So I felt pretty fortunate, and so they kind of made it the position for it, and so. And there I was. And, but then within like a few months, I mean, we had cooks kind of like not keeping up. Yeah. And for me, after working at Charlie's, not that Eleni was easy, but it was hard. It was very intense. Mm-hmm. But after Charlie's for two years, it was kind of like, it was no problem. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah I, don't mind well, the, I don't mind the pressure. I don't mind like... Is you it know, just that you'd gotten acclimated or that you rose to the level? Both. Okay. Yeah, I want to say Because both, it seems yeah. like, you know, the what made the transition probably tough to go from your own restaurant to Trotter's, like you were saying, you were working like the Amuse station and you had a lot of like kind of oversight, I guess, or people just maybe like undermining the work or, you know, whatever. Um, So yeah, I mean, that's gotta be like a very tough, (laughs) like a rude awakening of sorts. (laughs) It was a, it was a huge, you know, a a, a giant awakening basically. Yeah. 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 But I think it's cool that you were able to like take a step down and just follow your passion and want to get to the next level. My goal was literally my, what I said was like, I want to pay my dues. I mean, that was it. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I want to pay my dues and I want to go do. And so, and and, I mean, I got high, I was making, so I was 22, three and this was 2000, Two, I mean one. I mean it was around around nine eleven time. That makes, that's how I always remember that time. Um, and I think I was making almost sixty grand at that time, which was you know yeah, for a head lot. chef for mm-hmm. a young cook and nobody in Florida. I mean it was, it was good good living, and I was yeah. like wow. And and then Charlie offered me nineteen thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I didn't even hesitate. I the was old like, one third yeah, salary. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. You know? um, wow. Yeah. Old one third salary. Yeah. So. So from a cultural standpoint, what? How did how did um, Trotter's Kitchen differ from Grant's? Ah, uh, wow. And, and so and Grant notoriously had a 
a difficult relationship with Trotters as well. Right? He did. He did. Yeah. And I think over time become became mended with, you know, health problems from Grant to then obviously Charlie's um, demise. But obviously nobody really knew about that too much. Um, mm. You know, he's a complicated guy. Um, you know, uh, very very different in a lot of ways. I would say um, Grant was much more in the Thomas world. So you know, it was just more of hands on. Um, I'm with you. I'm a, we're cooks together, sort of thing. Um, so that was very different. So Grant and I worked really closely together. So I was the tornado. So inevitably during service, I always end up back to like you know the the hot section where he would spend a lot of his time. You know, with the cold section, you can teach people more, and then it can sit on the plate for a little bit longer. And whereas the hot needs to be precise, kind of, yeah, precise and going and and uh, and whatnot. And then we had Al- I mean, right behind him was Alex Stupek. Um, and Jordan Kahn, which I don't know if you're Jordan Kahn, he has restaurant Vesper team and Destroyer in L.A. and uh, a new place, too, as well. And then Alex has uh, a number of restaurants in New York now. But at the time, Alex was like one of the most exciting pastry chefs in the country. Um, little did we know, um, but uh, that was pretty quick. So so I w- I'd always be working with Grant hands-on, whereas Charlie was just more... You'd see him in passing, and he would give you this fatherly advice, or not father, I shouldn't say father. It was more of like uh, um, this po- poetic advice, and you had to like decipher what exactly he was <laughs> yeah. saying, you know, <laughs> sort of thing. Speaking I mean, I, it was literally this time where I never forget it. So, the back of Charlie's, you had, you had the two townhouses. One of the townhouses went all the way towards the alley, the other one, it went that way, but there was a garden in between. And so, we'd have plants out back there. One day they just got a new shipment. There was all these plants out there. And then he's like, he wanted to see if I had attention to detail, I want to say. And so he <laughs> brought me out. He looked, we looked at the whole garden. He's like, tell me what you see. What do you, what do you, what do you see out there that you think is wrong out there? And I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way I'm going to answer this right. Impossible, right? Impossible. It's like one in a million, right? I mean, yeah. And it was like literally like a, a price tag, like I mean, like on like a little pot. That was like what it was, and he didn't like you know berate me or anything like that. But it was kind of like fuck, I failed. So I, I didn't pick it up. I, I didn't see it. Miyagi. Yeah, Miyagi shit. Yeah, seriously. So that was like that was Charlie. I mean, at Charlie's, so good. Charlie would literally, we would, not only would we scrub dumpsters out sometimes, but he would. Ask us, no, make us go to the Babariba, Cafe Babariba, which is right nearby. And if their dumpsters were overflowing, we had to pull out their trash so the lids close and go dispense it in different places. Because if the guests ever saw down the alley that there's trash. But you're doing lettuce a huge favor. Yeah, you're welcome, Rich. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Rich an email. I know. Seriously, I don't know if you know this. Um, yeah, seriously, that. I could probably get a little kickback at this point now. Um, <laughs> that but, you know, is the, wild. Oh, the alley oh would the God. alley would flood all the time, and so you get to work, and you think I'm going to go work and make great cuisine, and then no, Reginald Watkins, the sous chef at the time, would be like, "Here's a squeegee. You want you go out in the alley, and you spend the next hour literally squeegeeing the alley because it would the way it was, it would it just was like flood right in there. A weird way, yeah. yeah, it was really weird. So that just it was that that's what Charlie's was like. My, a lot of mind games. Uh, you'd be getting ready for for the evening, and you would be not even close because we'd always be going down because it was always way too busy for w- what the team can handle. And he would call an, an excellence meeting. Let's go next door, studio kitchen, and talk about excellence. And he would get the whole staff together, and he would just kind of like preach to us. It was 
looking back, it was brilliant. All of it was brilliant. It was not only was he right about everything, um, but the way he made it hard for us and difficult for us to keep up with everything pushed us even further than we knew we were possible, possibly capable of doing at a certain point. And so it just, you know, in that militant, weird way, it worked. And uh, Yeah, I think it also worked in that you were all uh, receptive to it. Right. I feel like nowadays, if you try to do that, mm. you'd leave, Yeah, was anybody just like, like ah, fuck team. it, I'm out. I'm sure, oh, they'd yeah. be gone. Nobody, yeah. nobody puts up with it. I mean, there's a few. But can you imagine in your teams today doing the stuff that was done to you? No, no way, <laughs> yeah, exactly. no way. <laughs> but I wish it was in some ways. I think uh, yeah, we try to we try to keep impossible. it alive in small ways. You know, yeah, you, to you can't it. argue with the results. I mean, the family tree coming yeah. off of Trotters is insane. It's yeah, just, I think it drew insane. a lot of ambitious people who are obviously pretty gritty. Yeah, um, you know, I think knowledge is like. We've all got so much knowledge now, and or so much at our fingertips. We have so many things, and back then we just didn't have any of that. So you just kind of went with it, and but none of us were ever like bitter about it, though either. We were, we signed up for it, and we wanted to do it. So it wasn't like oh, I can't be fucking doing this. It was. You know, there were moments that were cleaning dumpsters. It was some of those moments were, were like <laughs> that. I'll be honest. I mean, um, I'm definitely not Superman in that way, but. Um, you know, it just, it made us. This episode is brought to you by Scofflaw Old Tom Gin, a tasty, versatile spirit. Created in Chicago in 2012, the product was born out of a need for a bespoke iteration of the Old Tom style, which is the slightly sweeter predecessor to London Dry. Scofflaw Old Tom Gin carries classic notes of orange peel, juniper, and coriander while balancing on a subtle floral edge thanks to the addition of osmanthus blossoms. Its elevated proof is suitable in cocktails or unadorned. Scofflaw Old Tom Gin, complete your bar. Do you have similar, I mean, obviously not going to be exactly similar, but stories like that from millennia, kind of learning things in a different way? So I think the intensity with the food was much higher than at, at Char Charlie's. The food was very high um, in that sense, but it was much more f fluid and, and like kind of like, you know, he was very inspired by jazz and you would just, the, the dishes would change frequently and we would kind of be more inspired. And the cooks, there was no rest. I mean, there's hardly any recipes. So mm -hmm. and pastry had the recipes, but savory was like, just make it. There's no like follow this and do this and keep it close to that sort of thing. Whereas Alinea was, you know, we, we, we had procedures and we had that. So the intensity was much higher and the level of excellence was a little bit higher, I think. Um, and so that just brought a different level of pressure, I think in a lot of ways. And then you had 23 courses and some of these bites were just like, you know, if you just do that, they just fall apart. You're like, fuck. You know, and so, um, so there's a lot of like stress like that, and a it's a different stress, I guess, in a lot of ways. I'm, in a lot of ways, right now, like the the restaurants I have now, Smith and Loyalist, you know, you know, it's, it's the same pressure in a lot of ways, the same high expectations, and we do less coverage at Smith, and we do way more at, at Loyalist, um, but yet the, the it's still as much intensity from both sides, and and you know, we're doing twenty courses upstairs, and we're doing you know, you might only get two three courses downstairs, but the level is still very high, and then the intensity is just different, but mm -hmm. the same. So it's hard to. Yeah. So Alinea and Charlie's was kind of like that in some ways. So. Any hard, hard to explain? Yeah. Any kitchen crises that happened at Alinea? Any fun stories of oh, of having to hide something from the dining room? Wow! Wow! Um, Those always make for good stories. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember anything crazy like that. 
Um, you know, we didn't. No, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I, I had. A, I have a, an embarrassing story from Charlie's that I I, I dest- destroyed some meat one time. That was pretty, um, pretty pretty fucked up. And uh, Matthias will tell me about it sometimes because I, <laughs> uh, I mean, literally. Um, I, Wait, uh, what? Do you, how did you destroy it? Well, I confit. What was it shanks, lamb shanks for New Year's Eve the next day? Yeah, and I'm supposed to. Con- but you know, we did them like in big brazier pans and. And foil and aromatics, you know, and maybe nowadays a little different in bags. But uh, um, I put it in the studio kitchen next door. I was the meat cook at the time, and I just got into service and completely forgot about it. And then I left that night, and then the next morning I was like, oh, my fucking God. (laughs) (laughs) And then they were just like, they were tacoed. I mean, I'm just like, it was just completely gone. Like, I mean. And it was even a low temp, but there was it was a higher temp to get it going, and then I was gonna supposed to lower it down, and I don't know where I was, but I, I just yeah, I don't know, sleep it, deprived, had too much sleep stuff deprived going maybe, on. yeah. And uh, I'd never been so embarrassed, and I'd never been so. Uh, I mean, Matt was so disappointed. I mean, he was big, it was big, it was big time. But as far as like Alenia, like uh, that, I mean, nothing crazy I can think of that it's uh, makes for good TV, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So how long were you at Alenia? So I was there for two years, um, a little over two years again. And then Matthias actually, lo and behold, reached out to me to go re, uh, open Vegas, uh, Charlie Vegas at that time. And so it was kind of out of the blue. Mm-hmm. And actually, Karen and I just started dating around that time, just out of the blue, too. That's like another story. Yeah, because so, you yeah. met in 2003 but didn't date till 2007 or something. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, we had just started dating. We just let's go get lunch and we just like, you know, cuz we've always been really good friends. And then we went to get lunch and then it just boom, that was it. And I guess we needed that that time to get to know each other apparently. So, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and then so Matthias wanted me to take over that and I'm like I didn't want to do it, but then I, so I went to Nick and Grant at the time and I'm like, Hey, I just got offered this. And they're like, you'd be crazy not to take it. It was crazy money. And, and, um, we want you to stay, but you, you know, it's a great opportunity. So that was that. Wow. So, uh, I went back to Charlie's again and, but that's, that was short. It was like six months, okay. seven months did not work out. Unfortunately. Did you see the opening of Vegas? No, no? never. Okay. Never even went to Vegas. Oh. I went, so I went back to Charlie's. They gave me the, the only thing that they, the promises they gave me was the money. And so I was like, you know, mm-hmm. the highest paid line cook, I guarantee you, <laughs> in all of Chicago at that time. I was, so I was like, you know, because I was on the line working with a team and I didn't mind that. I'm like, yeah, I want to you know, get back into the swing of things and work with a team. But it was just like months and months and months and months would go by. Yeah. And, and not only was I not working on going to Vegas, but I wasn't working on anything about Vegas. Um, and so maybe maybe they just decided to change their mind. Who knows? I don't. I never really knew the whole situation, but I finally decided. I don't think it's going to work out. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and that was that. So tell us how you ended up going to Virginia. So that was that. That was that moment. I'm like, all right, well, shit. What am I going to do now? So I took a few months off and just uh, decided to, you know, um, take a leap of faith. So Karen and I were dating uh, at this point. Uh, she's were still you living together at that time. No, no, I, I, don't, I don't believe so. No, um, where more, was she working? More or less. I mean, for, yeah. <laughs> we're like, we were together all the time. Yeah, uh, she was still at Charlie's. Okay, so she was the head pastry chef there at the time, and then we were just kind of debating what we we're going to do. And it was more about what I'm, what am I going to do? And the plan was really actually uh, Peninsula Hotel at Avenues at the time, which Curtis Duffy, if you go back, he has Ever Now, but before it was Grace, and before that was Avenues. Yeah, Avenues was like the 
Graham Elliott Bowles used to be there actually before mm-hmm. that, and he had a um, six, that's where he, like, his success really kind of kicked off. Um, and said so they were looking for a chef, and I was going to go try out for the for the job, and so I was going to do that. But then all of a sudden, this this one restaurant in Virginia just kept popping up on whatever things I was looking at. I was like looking at Craigslist. I mean, literally all kinds of stuff. And and they had posted on Craigslist. They had posted on all star chefs and uh, all the various things, uh, uh, avenues, you could, places you could find a job back then. Um, but I liked what they were saying. I just whatever they were writing, I was just it was. I was connecting with, and I just thought, wow, this could be really interesting. Um, but I just, Virginia, middle of nowhere, I'm like, no way, not going to happen. Like, it's just not going to happen. And I'm like, so I spoke with the people at Avenues. I had a tasting. I set up a tasting at Virginia first, and I thought, well, I'm going to go uh, do a tasting with Karen, and then we'll, you know, get a little practice run, and then we'll go get ready for Avenues. Because I thought, I'm going to be in Chicago. No. And then we went down there uh, We, the night before, the day before we went to Crate and Barrel, because we found out the china they had was just you know, not up to par, because it was mm-hmm. an existing restaurant at the time. They wanted to raise the level. So we went and we bought our own plates for all the courses. I think we did like six or seven courses, something like that. Wow. And then we packed it in our car, and we, I picked her up at 2 o'clock in the morning, Oh my after God. her shift <laughs> and when we just drove straight south and i just we drove there we got there in the afternoon i think i want to say and you just kept going and just got me to start prepping wow <laughs> yeah, man, yeah. Man, that was man. a wild story yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we did a lot of that all? stuff back in the oh day my no gosh. no 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 and uh <laughs> no, so, yeah, no. so we uh we just went straight through we uh we wow. prepped uh we, we did the tasting. They were kind of quiet the whole time. And I'm like, the whole time I'm just going like, as I'm actually doing it, I'm thinking, because I'm looking at the area, I'm like, this is crazy. I'm like, this is, <laughs> this is no way. This is going to work because it's just, you know, city in a town of 1,800 people, it's just not going to work. Um, so we hung out for a minute, had a glass of wine afterwards. We ate some pizza, talked about life. Didn't even talk about the meal, really. Um, you know. Talked about pe- uh, us as people and what our goals are in life and all that kind of stuff. And then we stayed at their farmhouse. They had a little farmhouse down nearby, and we we stayed there. And then the next morning, went up for breakfast, and they were just like, you know, we want to send a moving truck to your house tomorrow, and like, you know, like we want you guys here. And you know, it just you just get these gut feelings in life, and that was one of them. Yeah, and I just knew that you know this was an opportunity. Um, to do something great, and uh, and it felt like it. You know, I had no idea. So well, what, what was the property like? So well, the, what the restaurant was it was like literally right on, uh, like Main Street, mm-hmm. like where, where, where it was small town. So it's a small little restaurant right there. Uh, over time, they end up buying a property about five minutes away. It was a house, um, a couple of bedrooms, and we would do. Um, it was a B and B, and then there was this huge plot of land and then we start so we had a little a kind of a and b thing going on there for a minute so but that was it it was just like this 25 seat restaurant um and you know they gave us the keys to the to their bank account they said here's a credit card and why don't you start putting orders together and build the kitchen you want and you know we're like okay and like you know <laughs> i mean and every time i'd be like hey we're gonna do the it, you okay she's like yeah just go ahead and do it i'm like okay all right wow yeah i mean that's the way it was so pretty it was supportive like, very yeah, supportive they, they had big yeah but we trusted you and we yeah. still we're still great friends today actually um just texted with her yesterday and uh they were an amazing family um we spent four years there um and then we had our first child and you know we had a lot of you know i'm skipping ahead obviously we had a ton of accolades that 
help propel us into yeah, it like, seemed like the, the New York Times wrote about it. New York it seems Times, like it was yeah. like this mystical, almost, you know, top five restaurant that no one knew, you know, that right. just kind of obscure yeah. middle of nowhere. That's the key, right? You get people where they can't get to. They're like, you know, yeah. it becomes more important, right? You know? I mean, it's, it's so true. You know? no, yeah, I wish we could have eaten there. Yeah. It sounds pretty epic. So yeah, was fun. the menu more inspired by your time at Trotter's or yeah, that's good. Uh, Alinea? That's a great question. It was, that was, uh, um, it was about a year and a half or two years of trying to figure that out, really. You know, and, and it kept getting tighter and more focused. And then, um, you know, it really changed things. So right before we moved, um, we were in New York. We did like this little food tour, and we were in New York, and we were at a place called uh, Kitchen Arts and Letters, which is a famous bookstore there, cookbook store in New York. And I was there, and there was uh, uh, we bought a number of books, and then there was this one book. It was Noma, but it was Noma back. It was their first cookbook, so it's like this thin. It, you know, nowadays he's got you know three or four, but most people don't even have this book. They made a small print of it back in the day. And he was just getting started. I think he had started about a year and a half prior to us taking over Townhouse. And the back of it was this whole section about forging. And about, that was like that moment back then of, you know, 05, 07, whatever. Um, and so here we are out in the middle of nowhere in the, in, in the mountains and, and whatnot. And, you know, but I was, you know, more... I'd been with Grant for a while and Charlie, so I was kind of like working my way through all that. And Karen was kind of figuring out who she is. And, and so we were kind of doing that. And then slowly but surely, the more walks we took, the more hikes we took, the more we started to realize what was out there. And then the more the food started to evolve and change hmm. and become more of the place and of the area. And so before it was cool to be of the area, which mm -hmm. is uh, not to put anything down, but it's like, you know. Uh, it was just a, a more of a natural thing, progression that happened. So, and then by the end, it was almost all the area of what we were doing. So just, this is what we have. And we would literally hike up to mountains, pick blueberries in these mountains with like these, I swear to God, these like little miniature horses were up there. And <laughs> I, I swear, I mean, literally top of these mountains, miniature horses up there in blueberry bush. It was like a wonderland. It, yeah. it was pretty hmm. crazy. Pretty crazy. Did you guys collaborate equally on like savory and pastry or since she had such a strong pastry background did she kind of handle that side of it in the beginning that's the way it was and then once we had her once she was pregnant about halfway through it started to then move towards more me uh, being involved for, with both so i was always involved with both and she was involved with both a little bit like verbally but it was like you know i would do 90 percent, and she would say you should do you know or what about this and then as time went on uh, and she became more pregnant. Um, she spent a little less time focusing on it. And I always had a really interest, you know, a big interest in pastry. I still do today. I'm, I'm pretty much the pastry chef, but with her uh, yeah. involved. And then we have a couple cooks now and chefs that are really helpful with that as well. So, but back then, yeah. So by the end, it was like me just kind of doing all the desserts and going, what do you think? And mm, yeah. should we go, I hate this or I love that. And, you <laughs> should know, be like, I have an aversion yeah. to this now that I'm pregnant. Yeah. So yeah. 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 There's got some good yeah. stories of that too, for sure. <laughs> she was like one thing one day and then the next it was like, yeah, what do you <laughs> seriously. So yeah, how did, did I prove that? Yeah. Did any of your Chicago chef friends make it down to eat at the restaurant? I, Posey did actually. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Posey and Paul Cahan actually. So wow. that was a really fun story. Um, yeah, Paul and uh, they, they were doing an event in D.C. And then I guess uh, Paul asked Posey, where do you want to go eat in D.C.? He's like, I want to go to Townhouse, which is a five-hour drive door to door. Because <laughs> we used to drive to D.C. all the time. Karen's sister yeah. lived there. And um, so we know the trip well. 
And uh, they came down, had dinner, uh, and then actually, I think they stayed the night with us that night. So yeah, he wanted so that turkey fun. skin with yeah. honey bread. Honey bread, uh, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> pretty, pretty much, yeah. pretty much. Uh, but you know, Dave, I think Dave Barron uh, was. You know, I don't know if you're Dave Barron. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Dave, yeah. Dave lived with us for a summer when oh, you know, really? we both went to Lake Forest College, and he ended oh, up shit. staying with us for a summer. Oh wow! Okay, uh, very cool. It's very actually cool. how we started making uniforms for hospitality. We started with Next and Alinea. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yep. Very cool. Okay. Uh, so four years there, you guys have your first daughter, and yep. then you start to get pulled towards Chicago again? We do. We can feel the, the tide changing in that area. Like, we just weren't as busy as we were. And, you know, it just, it was plane trains and automobiles. You know, that's going to age me as well with that reference. But uh, <laughs> it was uh, definitely... Um, it was hard to get there, and so we can kind of feel the shift happening a little bit. This is 2012, I think, just just starting, um, and we wanted to get back closer to family, and that was the plan. So we, uh, the plan was let's move to the East Coast, let's open open something maybe maybe DC. We and we spent some time looking in Philly, and that was it. We were going to go to the East Coast and, and do our thing, and so we spent the next three years really, you know, learning how to. How to not open a restaurant, basically. <laughs> 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 um, but we learned a couple other things along the way. So Were you yeah. working throughout the East Coast for these three years? Kind of. I mean, like pick up odd jobs, things like Consulting that. Consulting on stuff. Or... Cons- well, even like even like just going to friends' restaurants and working and just like literally picking up some money. Um, one of my friends had a restaurant in, um, I want to say, four hours. Or no, excuse me, 45 minutes outside of uh, D.C., and I would drive from Pennsylvania and spend three days there. So I, uh, we were in Westchester, which is just outside of Philly. So I would yeah. drive there, and I think it was a three-hour drive or something like that. Then I would stay on property, work three days, pick up a paycheck, and drive back. And so it was just a lot of, like, wacky shit. Like huh. yeah, yeah. Did Karen I mean, enjoy that or no? Oh, no. I mean, <laughs> and Karen's so – we so what we were doing, we were living with Karen's parents. So, okay. so literally – well, they were like, you know – because they, they had a couple proper, you know, they had the house there, and then they had a house in Florida, and they were, at this point, just full-on travelers. They just, yeah. They're like, stay here, do what you got to do, open your restaurant, you have our support, you know, and then, but we all thought, okay, within like eight months a year, we'll be, we'll be, we'll be up and running, and then here we are three years later, and, yeah. and I'm like the biggest piece of shit in the family, like, just like, <laughs> Karen's dad's just like, I don't know about this guy, <laughs> I mean, I mean, seriously. Uh, what <laughs> were, what were the hurdles? <laughs> <laughs> many many hurdles. Well, you know, trying to find the right place. You know, we 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 got offered a million boxes. I mean, along the way, yeah, or a million like, hey, you know, come in here, get this going, and then we're gonna open up your dream restaurant. You know what I mean? And yeah, so, it was like a yeah, one for us, hook, one for you. They hook it in, but I mean, yeah. nine times out of ten, that's never gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, well, you seemed like yeah, you've really had a strong instinctual sense yeah. of what to do. So yeah. maybe it, yeah. I mean, once again, you maybe Stubborn, were just following maybe it. stubbornness. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. No, what, you what, did, uh, yeah, you never said yes to the wrong thing. It seems like. Yeah. This episode of Joiners is brought to you by Stock Manufacturing, makers of fine hospitality workwear. You obsess over the details in your space, so why stop at your staff's uniforms? Stock has something for every aesthetic. From fine dining to a corner cafe, they've got you covered. Choose from in-stock ready-to-wear options or design the perfect custom uniform for your team. For more information, visit stockmfgco.com.
So at what point do you actually get uh, lured back to Chicago? Yeah, well, so it's uh, so along the way, I met my, our business partner, Keith Shapiro, who's just been incredible. I mean, Great like, last name. Shapiro, yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> he is, um, yeah, it was in D.C. His son was actually working on the Hill at the time, um, interning or whatever it was. I'm not really sure anymore. But uh, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Nick Konis, knows this other guy who knows this guy. He's like, hey, um, you should meet Keith. And so we went out for dinner one night. And this was probably the last year-ish before we um, left that area. Uh, and well, and actually, I want to say, I don't want to say that. It was actually two years. Um, and so anyway, Keith is, we meet Keith. And Keith's just like, and always like, you know, I want to, I just love what you guys are doing. Nick says amazing, Nick Okona says amazing things about you guys. Grant loves you. I want to be a part of it. And this, at this point, he's starting to invest in a lot of restaurants. But he's not a partner in him. He's just sort of passive. And uh, and so we meet, and everything's great. And like, great. We're like, you know, but you know, we had a million miles to go still at this point. So um we get things going. We find we finally found a space we really love. It's in Georgetown, and so we're trying to match, you know, as we all do, trying to match the rent with our ambition, you know, which you know the margins in fine dining are pretty, pretty slim, and so you know we're trying to be smart about about what we're doing. Plus, also have a space that feels like something interesting and cool. So we found one space, then that fell through. That was like five or six. I don't want to bore you with that. That's like four months of like you know, didn't work out unfortunately. But then we found a space right across the. The river, or not across the river, but like literally, there's a little river there, and but then it was uh, five minutes away, and uh, um, we spent another six months in that. We had the drawings, we had everything. We're getting ready to sign the lease. I'm actually verbally got a bunch of people committed. We're ready to go ish, and then all of a sudden the landlord. It was a it was a a space that was pregnant. It was an event space, but he wanted to like then close off the top floor. It was just amazing, like. Like, I don't know how you describe it, but um, an old, old building in, in D.C. And, and then he started losing all these clients that because they let him know within the next we're going to start construction. And he got cold feet and then pulled the plug out or pulled the rug out from under us. Mm-hmm. And then we were just like left. Dest- we were like, holy shit. Like, I couldn't believe it. I mean, we were just like, because, I mean, you know, you know how it goes. I mean, you spend all that time. I mean, just, just to find the place to get them. I mean, this is months and months and months and then all the work yeah. that goes into it. And then you pull it out and you're like, well, they're I got another year now before I'm even close uh, to doing something. So it was a, it was the lowest point I think of all of it. And we we're like, wow, I I don't know if this is gonna happen. I just, you know, maybe I just need to figure it out, take a job, and and was we'll you know we'll we'll kind of go from there. Um, so then, you know, got over myself for a minute, you know, a couple of days, and then I had a crazy idea. I called up the owners of Townhouse, and we had that little um, Riverstead property, which was the the B and B. And I said, I want to turn this into Favakin, like a like a sixteen yeah, seat, sixteen yeah. seat and place. Uh, have guests stay there, and just go do that for a couple months. You know, just go figure it out. So to just to keep busy, to keep the name out there, to keep it going, uh, a pop up, if you will. So I, but I, I wanted to do it right. So we went on Kickstarter at the time, and we uh, raised like twenty five grand. Um, we had tables made, chairs made, um, built out, but the kitchen was already built out, but we've got equipment for it, like little things, but we still had the townhouse kitchen that was just vacant. It was just sitting there. Mm. So the day we left, we just flipped the lights off. And then when we came back, it was exactly the same. Oh, I didn't realize <laughs> no one took over. No one took just over. Closed. Just okay. closed. Just closed. They didn't want anybody else in there. They loved, yeah, they loved what we were doing. Yeah. They were invested in us as people. Um, 
and, and it wasn't really about business and it wasn't about keeping a restaurant there. They wanted the right people there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was that. So, you know, it, so, so another crazy story. So I, you know, as far as like driving and doing crazy things. So once a month for the next year and a half, I would do a pop-up. So I would do, uh, we would do three nights in a row. Um, we'd sell it out to 16 people a night. Um, and then we would have two people book the rooms and then I would just, Hey, uh, I would tweet out basically like, Hey, any chefs want to come help me come down there. So I would have some free labor come down, unfortunately. And, uh, <laughs> can't say that now, but, uh, that's what it was, what it was. And it was fine back then, I guess. And then I paid a sous chef friend and a sommelier friend of mine. And we ran a little mini restaurant for about a year and a half. Within that year and a half, the Washington Post came down, did a huge article, like two-pager, in their Washington Post magazine about what we were doing, kept the thing going. At this point, I had not been talking with Keith for the last year or so, so I thought that was done. He reaches out because he read the article. I'm so impressed you guys stuck with your vision. You followed through still, even though everything was kind of out and out. <laughs> and, um, and it kind of kept things going. Finally, my wife and Keith started talking about Chicago again, and they're like... Um, um, just give it a chance, you know, just go back. It's not that I didn't love Chicago, but I was like, I was ready for something different. want to be close to family, yada, yada. And I uh, came here, found a place in one day. And that was that wow. literally one day. Is it true that Bill sent the, <coughs> sent the address and was like, Bill, try. no Bill. So I came, I got a broker, came for one day, saw a bunch of places, much like DC. And it was kind of like, you know, same old, same old. And, you know, saw some nice spots. I was going to go out to dinner with friends. Bill texted me that night around 4 o'clock, and he's like, hey, I got a friend who wants to get out of his lease at 1778. And um, he's like, you got to come see the place. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm not going to make it. I, mean, I got dinner plans. I'm just, you know. He's like, trust me. You got to come. And I'm like, anyway, I didn't text him for a minute. And finally, I, I did, and then um, met him over at Belly Q, and we walked over. And then as soon as I walked in the space, I mean, immediately, I was like, I was like, holy shit, this is, this is, I think this is it. Like, yeah. I, th- I feel like, a, like this, the building has so much character. Yeah, that's, it's uh, really cool, especially now with everything building up around it. It's still kind of like a hidden gem right there. It really is. It really, really is. Um, Did you meet with Joey P? Well, not at that moment. No, no, <laughs> no, no. I met Joey weeks later. Um, and, uh, and so, yes, yeah, so we found the space and, and uh, just, you know, went on the roof and, and then we went downstairs and it was just like, cause we already had a plan for a multiple concept anyway. Um, not as big as loyalist was, it was more like Smith and then loyalist and, mm-hmm. or whatever. And yeah, so that was that. And then, uh, it was back to Pennsylvania to then make this happen. So we love this space, but now it's like, let's make it happen. And as you know, or heard, or I don't know how well, you know, the neighborhood prior, I mean, it was nothing out there. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was a ghost town. So yeah. Was it pre Elska and everything? Oh yeah, yeah. Pre, yeah. Was, yeah oh yeah. Even across the street was it was actually I think, I want to say an auto body shop kind of thing. It was like a big. Yeah, the Mason wasn't there. Oh, the Mason wasn't there for sure. Yeah. And then they, when I signed the lease, finally after like a long negotiation with with Joey and the team, um, I pulled back up. You know, so we moved. We finally moved to Chicago, and then that place was gone. And then it was a like a parking lot for like a year and a half. Hmm. Yeah. One of our guests actually, one of the guests. The builder actually uh, was eating at town or uh, Smith, and was sitting at table five right by the window, and just said, 
That's what he told us. He's like, oh, I'm going to put a building. I'm going to ruin this view. Exactly. I'm going to put a building right here. And then I'm going to put one on. I'm going to tear Bill's building down and put one there, too. So that's what he's the same developer. So So for the listener, I live above Smith and Loyalist. I live on the second floor over your like patio. And um, when they sent me, because I lived in one of Joey and Magda's other buildings. I lived above the Ogden before that. And uh, when they sent me pictures of that unit, it had like a sunset out the windows right and so like, wasn't it beautiful it was taken before yeah right. it was a great view <laughs> right. unfortunately we never enjoyed it yeah <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah i have my uh so in the summers we keep our windows open we can like hear the chatter on the patio and hear the music playing stuff it's really nice yeah yeah i'll, yeah. Bet, I bet I'll be great. on my peloton in the window smelling the burgers <laughs> wafting up yeah it could get worse here too in the future but i mean yeah if you go on the roof now i mean you know you see it now, but when I was there, oh, I looked towards the yeah. city. It was complete skyline. Not one building was yeah. skewing the view. It's literally gone today. Yeah, you like can see from the Hancock to the Sears Tower, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's just destroyed now. Yep. Um, yeah. So when you finally get it going, get it open, is it like everything you had dreamed of? Are you? Yeah. How'd you build that team? Excited? Did you did you reach out to yeah. existing contacts? Yeah, I guess Gerber for sure. You probably worked. No, with Gerber was about a year after, or oh. I want to say eight months or a year after. Um, no, I mean actually, scary enough, I, we didn't have anybody. Um, I had a chef that I was going to use, uh, a guy named Johnny Sparrow, who has a, pl- a couple places in D.C. Um, but it took us so long to kind of get going that by then I think he was already on something else. And yeah, um, and so as we're getting ready to open, we had literally. A, a, a blank slate of people I've never worked with in my life. And so <laughs> it started with like recommendations and things like that. And so that's how it kind of, kind of went. So, yeah. And did you kind of like hit the ground running? Did it take time to build as far as like after we opened or yeah, before? Yeah, after you opened? Yeah. I just hit the ground running. I mean, and then we went through lulls of like, you know, nobody knows us. And, and, and so we had some real slow time and, um, luckily loyalist was pretty, pretty up and running and busy, although it's not like it is today, but it was, Felt busy back then, anyway, and yeah. especially with the small team we had. So, um, so yeah, it was. It's always been kind of just head down and go. Has it exceeded your expectations? Big time. Yeah, well, yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, who could ask? I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate. And when you get very like fortunate. certain recognition, Michelin or otherwise, how <clears throat> meaningful is that to you? You know, um, I don't take it for granted. I think I'm just too busy to, to totally appreciate it at this point. You know, I'm just. Yeah. Um, I got kids and I've got the restaurants and I've got ambitions to do some other things. So it's, it's totally meaningful. What I do recognize every day is when I come into the loyalist and the restaurant is like picking up for service and it starts getting busy around say six o'clock and really start to hum. I kind of walk in and I go, um, it's kind of like this deranged moment where you're like, is this every day I wake up and I go, is this the end? You know what I mean? I know, like, are we going to make it today? Or like, is this going to yeah. happen? And then you get there and like, you're busy again and you go, wow, this is so cool. Uh, and I feel so like happy and, you know, um, I'm not really religious, but blessed, you know, I feel like really, really blessed, you know? And, yeah. uh, um, you look around, I'm, I'm making people happy. So that restaurant for me is like all about making people happy. I hope anyway. That's the goal. We don't always do that, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, I mean, what are you going to do? Right? Most of the time. Most of the yeah. time, we do our best. Yeah. And, uh, and then upstairs is the same. I mean, it's the same feeling, but obviously we're, our ambitions are a little bit different in certain ways, and we're trying to give people a slightly different experience. And so, yeah. Do you think that uh, more restaurants are on the horizon for you? I do. 
I do. We're work, we're trying to. Well, as you probably heard, <laughs> uh, um, we're trying to maybe do something else. Yeah, for is sure. it the same location? It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same location. So that's that's the goal anyway. Any insight? It's going to be in my unit. It's my upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> Send them to Tim. Um, well, all I'll say is this: my wife is fifty percent Sicilian, and her whole family is like a hundred percent, and so it's going to be in that world. And I'm not saying it's going to be Sicilian, but you know, you can kind of. Kind yeah. of guess a little bit. I want to, It's going to be another place about the neighborhood. You know what? What does the neighborhood? I think I think need, mm-hmm. or or what I think it do well because I'm you know trying to balance reality and ambition with with business a little bit. And so it's it's a a, a, a bigger place than we have now. So imagine both of our places in one. So uh, slightly more ambitious in that sense, um, but a place that feels like loyalists, hopefully, where just welcoming you in like yeah, come, come on in are, yeah. come in be comfortable love it you know but you know maybe a little bit higher end with like like smith in a sense of like the service is really on point but not stuffy not like ridiculous we're not going to be over the top with it that's for sure just you know something done really well really solid really focused you know you know so a, delici- a, de- a delicious business is what i want to say like, you know, <laughs> as I, you know you want to think about it different like that you know and as I as I get older, like I, I think about, um, you know, not just the food anymore. You know, it's about both. But I, I love the idea, especially now that I have the two. I can really see how they both interact and how we can still do something incredible, have a really high level of excellence, but yet actually run a really viable business that um, employs people and and uh, you know and makes a profit too. Because I find that to be really fun too i think it's really interesting to yeah, to run a viable like successful yeah. place not I mean, just grind well, it out all the time exactly i mean <laughs> yeah. yeah well it takes some of the stress off you know yeah, so, yeah for sure so yeah. well that's exciting yeah yeah um so, so do you get a chance to i know so where do you guys live now are you up in the burbs we're now we're actually in uh, edgewater oh okay so the plan is to be in the burbs but then covid happened and yeah was, now we've been kind of treading water basically so, so do you and karen get a chance to check out the other restaurants that are doing tasting menus like smith like do you get to like Oriol Kasama? I've been to Oriol. Uh, yeah. I've not been to Kasama yet, but I want to go. Um, I don't do it much. I should, but I, I just don't. And then mm-hmm. ever I haven't been to yet. But Curtis is a, an old friend, and I, I need to go. And I actually just saw him the other day, and he shamed me a little bit uh, <laughs> for not coming. Building to he lives in. He literally yeah, lives in the building. Yeah. yeah, I haven't been there either yet. Oh no, yeah, okay, yeah. Well. it's amazing. We're all so busy. I mean, there's so yeah. much, so little time, you know. But I, I just went to Elsk the other day, which. You know, I haven't been in a couple of years, but Posey's my good buddy. We just golfed even like uh, a month ago, and you know, and the food's so great there. Yeah. Know? And so it really is. I mean, it's the fact that this, it's amazing that, you know, literally Posey, myself, and Curtis all worked at Alinea at the same time together. And yeah. here we are back on one street yeah. with our, you know, one star, two star, probably three star eventually at Ever, I'm sure. Yeah. So yeah. that's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you think you have the best burger on Ada Street? Well, on Ada Street, for sure. For sure. <laughs> now that Curtis is gone, for sure. <laughs> did, did you have the Rev Burger? I did. It was great. Yeah. It was super tasty. I thought, I thought it was super tasty. And then obviously you got Cheval, but I think that's just great. I mean, I think people were like freaking out. Are you going to be okay? Like Cheval, I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, okay. you're like, it's totally different. Yeah. It's totally different. Yeah. And it just builds the neighborhood. And yeah, It's exactly. going to drive it's, business. It's better I mean, than like an abandoned dog daycare or whatever that whatever was. Whatever it was. For years. Yeah, forever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think, I think it's, it's nice happened. to have like a lively patio there. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, great. It and then cool. I'm going to go up and take notes, and maybe I'll do a small loyalist one day. You never yeah, know, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just have to find a different spot. You know, so. Um, so before we get to the gratuity round, mm. is there anything that you want to cover? 
The gratuity round Anything is like a lightning didn't... round. Oh, okay. All right. Gotcha, gotcha, Fast-paced gotcha. questions. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Don't only falter. Open that HR revolt. No, I think I think we've covered the... Your entire career. Yeah. More or less. Yeah. Them, that's it. You got <laughs> yeah, to yeah. <laughs> well, leave room for part two, three, four, you know. Yeah. <laughs> This episode of Joiners is brought to you by Bronca USA. Question, Danny. What's your question, Tim? My question is, what is in Fernet Bronca? What are the ingredients? It's mm, a tough question right there. <laughs> it's a 170-year-old recipe, and it is a closely guarded family secret. Okay. There are 27 distinct components to the recipe, various herbs, botanicals, and spices, and I don't know all of them. Do you know some of them? You know, I do know some of them. Okay. We know there's aloe, gentian, chamomile, angelica, chincona, colombo root, iris, saffron, peppermint, myrrh, and Chinese rhubarb. Okay. But if you want to find out all of the ingredients, you're going to have to go to one person. There's one person who knows? That's right. Count Branca. Count Branca. That's a real person you can That's a real refer person. to. Okay. okay. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess we got to get him on the pod. I guess so. All right. Well, back to the pod. John Shields, what is your death row meal? Wow. You know, it's going to sound so weird. A fruit de mer and french fries. Wow. Mm. Yep. All right, yeah. cool. Yep. Good answer. And you right away. I did. I thought about it before. It's just <laughs> scary. Yeah. Uh, uh, what is your favorite hidden gem restaurant? Oh, wow. Uh, I love uh, Hi Yen up in uh, Argyle. Hi Yen. Okay. You've been there? Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, a Vietnamese restaurant. I haven't hit all the spots in Argyle. You got you, you to check it out. Hi Yen. Uh, it's right there. It's What's like, your order of, there? Kind of in the middle. Um, well, they have these little uh, sausages wrapped in uh, banana leaf. Mm. And then you put those in these. They have the rice paper there, and you dip them, and you make. And then they have all the condiments, and you just make your own oh. little roll. And oh, yeah. You can make it different every time. I'm telling you, it's, it's really good. All right. Hi Yen. It, it, it Maybe that's my birthday meal. Good. All right. Cool. Check that out. It's good. Yeah. All right. Favorite fast food? Uh, wow. Um, favorite fast food? Uh, wow. Um, I mean, I like fast food. I don't love... I, if I had to pick one thing, I hate to say it, and maybe it's like an old hangover sort of thing, but sausage, maybe muffin with egg from yeah. McDonald's, yeah, like just kind of a hash brown. That, that's like, been a theme. It, it just kind of... So it kind of does the trick. You know, yeah. So, yeah. The McDonald's, I'm adamant about this. The McDonald's by the restaurant is the best McDonald's in the oh, city. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, not okay. Hamburger University, which you'd think. Right. But the one right there at Ogden and <laughs> not Lake. Not with the professors making it. Yeah, yeah. Who's <laughs> the chef? I mean, yeah, yeah. So like yeah. Posey agrees. That's <laughs> his spot. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, yep. Posey All right. Uh, Loyalist burger or classic burger? Mm, wow. For me to eat every day? That's or a great or, question. It's a great question. I mean, I, I think every day is more of the classic. I think yeah. I just like that. The original, which we call the Loyalist burger, that we kind of call it the original. Mm -hmm. Um you know, um, I'm just kind of tired of looking at it. To be honest. So, I, don't, I love it, you know, for all of what it's worth. But oh man! And can you go over the differences? Yeah, for sure. I uh, yeah. <laughs> He's I mean, like, no, nope, you stumped me. No, well, you know, I you know, I didn't want a double patty. I've never been like a big. I love meat. I love all that, but I don't like eating tons of it Same, personally. Yeah. And so, a double patty for me, it's just kind of unnecessary. I think if you got. So we do like a six ounce pat, six ounce patty. So it's not an eight ounce. It's not a you know or two three ounce. Um, which I guess was what people sort of do. Anyway, 
Um, the, the classic is more of a smash, but it's not a full smash. It's not like a region. You've been, probably been to a region before. I don't know. It's like, you haven't been to a region? Mm, no. Oh, God. It's in the uh, Ukrainian vigil, village. You got to go. Whoa. Like, it's like, region. It looks like a buttermilk mm. pancake, like just hanging over the side of like two small buns. I mean, it's incredible. Oh, that sounds yeah, yeah. great. They do a special sauce, a little onion pickle. It's really tasty. Very different burger. Oh, the yeah. region, yeah. Is it new? How no. Many no, no, no. They've been they've been around for a minute. Yeah, yeah. And they so get a lot of accolades a, too. A major yeah. hole in our burger resume. Jeez. Seriously, yeah. I wow. made a terrible mistake. It's a good one. It's a fun one. It's All a fun. Right, it's cool. a fun little spot. Um, so the classic is kind of like in that realm, uh, but we don't smash it so much. So, but we do have like a ruler that we try to go like to, you smash it to this point basically. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. um, yeah, our own uh, special sauce, cheese, and then but then we put both of our burgers have this little fermentation sort of spread that we do on both and i think that's what really kind of kicks it up a little bit gets and, that umami. and that gets that umami and i think that's the biggest difference to, to us but you know the loyalist burger itself is is we grind everything in house every day that's the one thing we do so we don't we get good meat we grind it we don't buy the meat from a, a purveyor that's already been pre-ground and set and so that that's the difference right there 100%. And the bun, sesame seed bun. Sesame seed, yeah, but we don't make the bun, so I can't yeah. really take claim for that, you know, but... Uh, what do you think grinding the meat in-house does, or you're just saying that the quality meat is better and you're, you happen to be The grinding, grinding the in-house. meat is, we can look at the meat, first of all, so we have a, we just know what the, 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 the cut looks like, I guess, in general, uh, what quality it is and all that, and then when we grind it, uh, we're just going through it so fast that we're not, there's no, like... The meat sitting around ground and then maybe picking up moisture so no or oxidation, oxidation. No, okay. yeah, gotcha. the combination of the two. So we, we make and we go. Now, do we have a burger patty left over from the day before? Yes, but it goes no more than two days and then wow. we sell it. So right, cool. and just cool. And then we get our perfect grind we like. And we've done, we've tried, you know. What cut of meat are you getting? Are so you we're doing chuck and, chuck and short rib. I'll okay, tell you. Cool, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, Chuck and I go back and forth on which I took a I took a break from the original. Yeah. I was a classic guy for a, a long time, and I was I was preaching the classic. We got because it wasn't on the menu sure, for a while. Right. It, was it was like a, a se- kind of secret right. thing. So I was like, you got to get the classical you're there. Right. And, and then you're on I, a soapbox outside. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I was picketing on Ada, yeah. uh, and then I got the original, and I was like, oh damn, I you know, maybe maybe made a mistake. But the real trick is Shannon and I will get both, split them. Yeah. That's and it. It's best of both worlds. Yeah, we well, do that, that too. That, yeah. Well, that was the goal. That was sort of the, the, well, it was a good idea and a bad idea, right? So that was goal. Let's put on that burger and then have people fight over which one's better. Or like, you know, that was like the hope anyway, mm-hmm. right? Let's get both and let's debate. And, you know, but then the other problem is like, well, now my check average, I've just knocked down completely because now they're just coming for burgers and they're not going to get other things on the menu, which would, you know. Help help the business a little bit more. So yeah, <laughs> the foie gras clear should not be missed. Those uh, truffle deviled eggs. Truffle deviled eggs. Gotta get yeah, those. Yeah, those yeah, are amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's not just the burgers. Thanks. All right. Uh, what is your favorite cocktail? Oh wow, old fashioned. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just simple bourbon like or rye. Bourbon. I like to do bourbon. Cool. Yeah, but I'm open. You know, I mean, whatever. I'm. A, I like to switch it up. You know? Nice. So, That's but, my but order of loyalist. Yeah. Uh, what trivia category would you dominate? Food for sure. That might be an unexpected category. Oh, wow. Are you an expert um, on anything? Um, you know, sports I'm pretty good at. You yeah. know, sports trivia. If it relates if it relates to baseball. Oh, baseball. Uh, yeah, baseball. Mm-hmm. I, okay. I, played, I played baseball. Um, so who's your team, Marlins? Cubs. Cubs. Cubs, yeah. Well, see, a little known fact, growing up in Florida... WGN was one of the like the small the few channels that yeah. actually aired. So you had ABC, NBC, CBS, you, you had PBS, and then for whatever reason WGN was down there. So yeah. I You've grew been up watching. 
I grew up watching Andre Dawson and, and Sean mm. Dunstan and Mark Grace and Ryan Sandberg and all those guys mm. back in the day. So yeah, And so. Harry Carey. And Harry Carey. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, to <coughs> what do you attribute your success? Oh, wow. Well, should I say what? I should say, which is my wife, of course. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, <laughs> um, you know, wow. I mean, I mean, I would say my my wife, my business partner, as it is now. I mean, for sure, I, that's what I would attribute to. I mean, I think there's levels of that, right? I mean, there's things that happen in your life that you can't just put it in a little box. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that happen that uh, made it happen. Um, you know, my own personal drive is, you know, it's that's that's. It wouldn't happen without that. That's for sure. But, mm. but uh, without the help of people, um, and then my wife's has been amazing with getting me to finally grow up a little bit. And Johnny Goodtimes put him to bed, and <laughs> officially, officially retire him. Yeah, where uh, did the nickname come? I mean, I can I, guess, but you know, I just had a good time. You know, I wasn't. <laughs> I, I, what can I say? You know, I just wanted to hang out along a, a lot and uh, stay out late and uh, and. You know, and party a little bit, but yeah. you know, I was never, I never got in the drug game too much, so that was never part of me. It's just more about like hanging out bars and having a good yeah, time. Fair enough. It was just the old. It's what you did. You worked. Yeah, and of you got off and you fucking. You worked hard, out. play hard. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and then uh, what is something that bars or restaurants do that might annoy you? Oh gosh, well I don't get out much, so that's a tough one. <laughs> um, you know. Uh, you know, I don't want to annoy me, but I, I, I tend to go to places that I know where the service is going to be really, really good. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean like a kissing my ass good, but just like solid and consistent. Um, and then the food sometimes comes secondary, especially when you have kids. So it's kind of a, you know, so when you go to, I, I want to go to the new places a lot. And, and sometimes it's great and sometimes it's not. So I, I don't know. I don't, nothing really annoys me about, I try not to be too judgmental. I know this mm-hmm. business is hard for everyone. Right. And so I don't usually go in trying to pick a fight or or if somebody makes a mistake i'm like don't worry i'm not gonna tell you know i'm not gonna give you a two stars you know i'm like yeah. whatever i mean you forgot the salad i mean who cares you know yeah. um so nothing really annoys me i'm pretty i got i got 60 plus employees annoying me at all times so. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, what's, what's the things they need so the restaurant's at least my problems Fair. Uh, yeah all right and then our last question what is the best thing about chicago's dining scene wow um you know i good question um you know, it's, it's a tight-knit group, I would say, for the most part. It's gone through waves, and I think COVID kind of knocked it down a little bit. I think w- there was some real camaraderie there for at a certain point, and that's one of the things I loved about it. Um, now I don't see anybody ever. Uh, I think everybody's just whatever, super busy. But the food is very honest, I think, in a lot of ways. It's like very – nobody's – you can't get away with bullshit. You know what I mean? As far as like – trying to pass yourself off as like this amazing sushi chef or this amazing people, the, 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 the dining public knows it. So I think it keeps our standards high. Um, and you know, I just think that everybody's what I love about the dining scene is much like St. Louis. It's very blue collar. It's very mm-hmm. salt of the earth people. And I enjoy, I enjoy that about it. So, yeah. yeah. And then uh, bonus question. If you could change one thing about your golf game, what would it be? Oh, fuck. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's a good question. I feel um, just better ball striker. I'm, that's what I'm working on right now. Yeah. So I get to the top. I get. I want to go across the line a little bit too much. Yeah, and so I'm really I'm really inside. trying to – well, on the downstream, I, I, I reroute it so it's okay. So I don't, I don't get too steep, but I – 
um, at the top, I'm trying to just shorten my swing a little bit. So, yeah. which is I'm becoming a better ball striker for the most part. Yeah, so, fair enough. if I could take my range game to the course. Like a little bit more, <laughs> that would make me happier. Same, because right? I'm, I'm yeah. like a range king, like I saw right here. Yeah. 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 Perfect. Yeah. That's cool. Great. Well, that's our last question. Awesome. That's a wrap on John Shields. Thank you. Thanks, guys. So appreciate it. Appreciate yeah, having thank me. You. Uh, thanks, man. And that concludes our conversation with John Shields. Thank you so much for listening, and don't forget to check us out at joiners pod on instagram for special reels cocktail recipes throwback photos etc maybe some interesting stories will pop up once in a while um and spoilers perhaps on future guests yes spoilers on future guests um as always this episode is produced by matt haddock music by captain cuts and video content by joe guzzo the guzmeister thank you so much for listening and we'll check you next week so long